HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. With more than 30 weekly podcasts, HRN has something for every food lover. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by New Vibes Wine, bringing new vibes to the table with limited edition appellations and monthly club memberships. Subscribe at newvibeswine.com today and receive 50% off your first wine club order. Welcome to HRN on Tour at the 2023 Food and Wine Classic at Aspen. I am Christine sykes Lowe, And I'm Jennifer Bushman. And today we are joined by Dana Cowan. Hey, Dana. Hey, how are you doing? Great, great. So this is um, a loaded weekend for you. You have a lot going on, the 40th anniversary. What has been going on for you this weekend? It is so fantastic to be back in Aspen for the Classic. It is my 25th time here, um, 22 of them uh, with Food and Wine Magazine, 21 of them as editor-in-chief. There was like a little blip where I wasn't the editor. And it is so much fun to revisit all of the venues, walk through the Grand Tasting Tent, go into the St. Regis, see the demos, walk the walk. And actually, I was a, uh, a little late to meet you I remember exactly how much time it takes to get from the Jerome to the St. Regis. It is something that I sprinted through for years to get from one intro to another intro to a meeting. So it's been uh, revisiting not just the place, and Aspen is such a huge character in the play of the classic, but getting to see all the people and getting to learn new things. So it's been awesome. So it's just like a family reunion of sorts over the past 20 years of your career, probably seeing a lot of colleagues and catching up in their careers. Yes. So there are people who are still coming back. I was here for right 20 years and um, getting to see some of the people behind the scenes, like Devin Padgett, who is the mastermind of the classic, just connecting with him is blissful. Monty Caseberg, who's been doing behind the scenes of the classic for 39 years. I mean, people love this event. They come back year after year. And uh, I'm 
so happy to reconnect with them. I'm so glad that you mentioned the production crew behind the scenes. Um, that's what I do. I'm an experiential producer and I put on the large scale events and, you know, it takes a lot of hands to make it all work in tandem and uh, giving sure. them props is great. Well, also in Aspen, the volunteers are really what make this run. I mean, yes, of course, the Food Wine Magazine team is exceptional, but it's the Aspen Chamber of Commerce, you know, that really helps Food and Wine put this together. And those volunteers, there's 700 volunteers. We couldn't do it without them. They couldn't do it without them. Uh, one of my favorite volunteer stations is the people who stand behind the compost bins at the Grand Tasting. And they help sort the, um, the obviously, the trash, the recyclable. And because of their efforts, you think, oh, my God, who wants to do that? But when you realize that the outcome is so great, I think that the... Um, amount of recycling from this event is at 69%, which is the highest percentage of a large event. Apparently, the next largest event is in the 40% zone. So That's incredible. They, right? They just do such a great job, not yeah. just taking care of people, but taking care of the planet at the same and time. And they are on it. When you walk up to that receptacle, they are pointing you in the right direction. They certainly are. And <laughs> the, the I, paddles I were that. genius. You saw right? me moving my arms. Like They put the paddle over. They're like, no, no, no. Wrong bin. I know. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. The paddles are great. I wanted to ask you specifically, I mean, this, it, it did begin as a community event, you know, 40 years ago, and it was just the little pop-up tents and the community coming together. And I love these events where they saw an opportunity because there wasn't tourism you know, yes. post, yeah. uh, you know, ski season and really being able to bring more people to a region that was so, it was so important economically. But I think the, the thing that happened and I, and I have this conversation all of the time, which I, I don't know that you could have anticipated was how important is a thought leader event this became and is still becoming the co collaboration with Amex, the fact that people aren't, I don't think um, when you talk about a food and wine festival, that there's any way to put food and wine classic in that class of events for that reason. Can you talk about that? Because I don't know that you could have imagined that there would be that impact or did you? Well, let's see. So the classic um, was taken over from that community event into what it is now in Aspen by American Express. And Tom Ryder led the charge. Uh, Tom was larger than life, loved wine and loved this event. But having the trade in the same place as the consumers the and the um, was really the magic and then adding the sparkle of the chefs. So that was one of the evolutions, right? So it started really as a wine event and then grew to include the, um, the chef demos. And, you know, there's a lot of marriages that are made here and some of them are human to human. You know, people meet their spouse and we love those stories, but there's also the, the matchmaking that is um, between brands and where you see the impact of the forward thinking of in the on the planning side. So who is coming? Who's trying to um, move food forward? Who's trying to move wine forward? And like who needs to be here? Um, who are the chefs that people should pay attention to? What do the, what does the consumer want to learn? Um, and I love that you say that you know food and wine is a, in a class of its own, I think part of it's the longevity and part of it is how much has happened here. And people come and they know, you know what, 
I know someone, they've told me the story of how they came and they met their future business partner or how they came and they got a, um, funding or how they came and when they returned home, they you know had a flurry of orders that they'd never seen before. It's quite transformative in that way. And maybe because it's such a small village and you really bump into all the stars and all the people, it's kind of impossible to hide in Aspen and no one wants to. Everyone wants to, like, they're very open here and I don't know that it's the Air, but it's something about um, the embracing quality of this event that everyone comes as their best self and great things happen. And I don't think it would be um, much of a stretch to say it also really affected the food movement of Colorado and the wine movement of Colorado. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because you didn't see celebrity restaurants or celebrity chefs settling in. I mean, at one point there were more master sommeliers in the state of Colorado than anywhere else in the United States. I really believe a lot of that was the attention that Colorado got from the classic, from these chefs coming here and experiencing what a wonderful state it is. I just, I don't know. That sounds like a great, um, it's a great idea, uh, but you know Bobby Stuckey, who is an extraordinary psalm. I think a lot of a lot of people come to Colorado because Colorado's amazing, and um, and also there's the hotel infrastructure that supported a lot of the psalms and a lot of the great chefs. And yes, it's true that Aspen itself probably drew more um, star chefs to do maybe satellites here because of the classic and because they knew that, wow, all the food people would converge. But I don't think it's really um, enough to put someone over the edge. I think Colorado sells itself. And there's just amazing, um, you know, ingredients and amazing farmers and amazing uh, people who just come to spend the season and spend off season. Uh, So I think that, yes, we introduced a lot of people to Colorado, but wow, I mean, Colorado does a great job on its own. So that's a really good segue to talk about um, some of the focus of the current work and passion that you have. And I think that I would love for you to talk a little bit about what you shared with me in terms of these sort of localized conversations around ingredients and really changing the food movement um, in a small way, sort of one region, one local conversation at a time. Can you share a little bit about that with us today? Sure. And you and I have um, a lot in common in that we both spend our time looking for ways to create a future for the food system and a future for humans. And so the project, my next project is about regenerating our spirit at the same time as we regenerate um, the planet. So looking for ingredients that leave the earth the water, the air, better. There is a way to eat to improve the planet, which is kind of mind-blowing because in a way you're like, well, I'm just going to eat the radish and I don't know, I'm not thinking so much about the soil. But in fact, if you are placing your dollars where your heart is and you want there to be air and water and trees in the future is something you can do yourself. And so I'm telling the stories of the people uh, who are part of this movement to regenerate and bringing people together at a table to have conversations that actually are fulfilling to themselves. And they leave the table more filled as a human to be able to make one small change in their life. Whatever it is, it could be to do... You know, it could be to do yoga 10 minutes a day, but the idea that we can 
uh, take care of the planet and take care of ourselves for a better future for all. I love that. And, and you talked a lot about the forest, right? And how important trees are to you and, and the forest. Can you, so in one example, can you talk a little bit about that? That, I mean, everybody loves the forest. We're, I think there's a tree hugger in all of us, <laughs> but, but I don't know that people really understand how important trees are to us. Like I talk about ocean, right? Yes. So it's, so I feel like there's that sort of you know, that we have that in common, but talk about the forest particularly and how you would love to see ingredients, regenerative ingredients coming from the forest to be able to, as an education vehicle. So for the last year, I've just fallen in love with the the forest. I mean, I walked through forests, I saw the trees, you know, I saw the forest for the trees, but um, as a consultant, I've worked with a company called Forested that uh, is trying to find a way to make forests more valuable dead than alive. And one way to do that is through food. And so her project, Forrest's project, is uh, bees and honey. It started this way in uh, Ethiopia. And that got me thinking, what could I do in America that would draw people into the forest to experience the forest and experience it through food. And I've discovered the most amazing people working in this forest ecosystem. For example, there's someone in northern Massachusetts who's creating a library, an open library of ingredients from the forest that are natural to the forest, but that could potentially, if planted, become a really powerful source of nutrition and regeneration for the forest, like chestnut trees. America has a very um, sad history with chestnut trees, and American chestnut trees are gone. They've been replaced by Chinese, but there's still the possibility of planting groves of chestnuts. Um, and when I heard that story, the idea of bringing your entire community together right, and giving them the tools because you've created a library, um, that just seems like one small, extraordinary project. Or um, there's a, a chef who was a Michelin-starred chef in Chicago, Alana Reagan, and she opened uh, an Airbnb in, um, in the Upper Peninsula in Michigan. And she's introducing people to the foods of the forest because that's what she's cooking for them. And there they are, truly two hours from the nearest gas station, being among the trees and understanding the power of nature, but also feeding themselves and having this experience that I believe will be so important to them um, as individuals that they will become advocates. And so my, um, I don't want to call it a dream because dreams sound like you don't expect it to happen. So my ambition and my goal here is to give people experiences of these beautiful natural places through food to make them advocates and caretakers for the future. And show the full circle process throughout it all. Absolutely. New Vibes Wine offers limited edition wines from top appellations delivered directly to your door so you can relax and focus on what matters most, you. As a team of working women, their goal is to simplify the decision-making process for busy individuals like you by providing a variety of delicious, high-quality wines. New Vibes Wine Club members receive monthly allocations of 3, 6, or 12 bottles, and they guarantee their product. They will refund or replace any varietal that's not up to your taste. Subscribe at newvibeswine.com today and receive 50% off your first wine club order. 
New Vibes Wine. Cheers to the everyday. So Dana, um, speaking broadly, your podcast here on HRN, in your own words, highlights the generosity of women in awe of the whole human existence from humor to heartbreak. What was their precipice of developing that? Was there an inspiration? I left Food and Wine in 2016, and I was on a journey to figure out what did I really want to do. I was 55. I wanted to like have a second career because I'd been in media for 30 years. But I discovered that, you know, the media habits die hard. And within six months, I was like, well, wait a minute. I still want to tell stories. How can I give up my ability to tell stories? I can't just turn it all off. I might not want to do um, traditional media like food and wine, but I really, that's what brought me to HRN. I wanted to do the stories. And then I had a great meeting with Heritage. Um, and they said, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, well, that's such a good question. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just turned up here to um, see if you wanted to say yes. And so I went away and made a list of, it was like a list of 50 people I wanted to interview. And I wanted to know more. And I felt like they hadn't had their voices in the media enough. And I was maybe like writing a wrong from Food and Wine. What voices hadn't we shared because of the exact structure of that brand? And that list was 98% women. And I was like, I have my answer. I have what I want to talk about, what stories I want to share and tell. And, um, and so, you know, workshop the name. And in fact, the night before I was going to launch both the podcast, the website, the everything, I discovered, this is very poor research on my part, it was going to be called Broadly Speaking, and that was taken. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just flip it. Right? I like, just flipped it. <laughs> and I called like five friends. I'm like, I cannot believe this. I made such a stupid error. But what do you think of Speaking Broadly? Like, it's fine. Um, so I launched Speaking Broadly and have been doing it for five years and 150 women and um, focusing on people and stories that I feel haven't been told enough. And it's been really exciting to see um, both the relationships that I made, Jennifer being one of them. Um, there's something about a podcast that's quite intimate, or at least my approach to it. I really wanted to know the person behind either the brand or the cookbook or whatever it was. And that allowed me to make these deeper relationships. So I thought that I was doing a podcast um, that was for the consumers, and it was, or for the listeners. But really, it ended up being so fulfilling to me because of getting to know these extraordinary people on a, on a deeper level and these relationships have continued. So it's almost like the podcast was my dating app and, um, <laughs> you know, great. and I, I just had the greatest dates and instead of being like a single date, we got to continue and have these, um, entirely platonic, um, relationships going forward. That's um, that's exactly something actually I said to someone via email the other day. It was someone, it was actually who we interviewed yesterday, Michael Evans. And I said, part of my um, passion in this is being able to sit down and speak with people and really get to know their stories, really dig deeper and find out what their inspiration was and what propels them forward. It's good well, stuff. It's that entire journey. And I feel like that 
I mean, we talked about very intimate things when we were together, and I shared something I had never shared before um, on air. And so I feel like it's it, it's it's so meaningful. And to hear, we all have this winding road. And I think that the incredible thing about what you're bringing is you're sharing that because no one has had a straight path to anywhere they've gone to. And it, and it has felt very timely, I think, given now how important, I mean, we always had this DEI. We saw what was going on in the kitchen. There were unbelievable things happening at your time in food and wine that we as women watched but you know we were all Im so sort of immersed in the fact that it was business as usual and and we knew there was only it was going to be timing and lighting right at some point all of this was going to come out and so to be able to really in an intimate way w you've brought out those stories I think with everybody and then I think in a lot of ways there is a lift and a therapy out of that conversation with you and then from there wow look at the people that you've interviewed and where they're going Yes, it has been um, such a pleasure to see the development, right? Because I, it's a snapshot in time, a podcast, right? Today we're talking about my next project. I can't wait to talk again and be like, oh, I had my first dinner where we got together and this was the ingredient. You know, I'm not, I'm not there yet. But looking back at, you know, what, Jennifer, what you were doing when we spoke and Fed by Blue today, which is just a masterpiece um, and there are so many people that I interviewed, and I, I see what their journey has been. Jen Pelka, who had, you know, um, a thriving business, which was a wine bar, and the pandemic took it all away. Um, and she's now doing even more extraordinary, reaching more people with Unfam, and it has um, a mission for women, but she's also um, created, you know, opportunities for women winemakers at scale. And that's a very unusual thing. And so everyone uh, has a path and some of it is wiggly. It's never, it truly is never straight, even though it looks straight from this. There's actually some weird optical illusion, you know? You know <laughs> it's so true. Right? Like oh it looks gosh. straight, but if you just take, turn it in the light another way, it goes, it shimmers. But it shows how resilient people are. And I think that that, uh, uh, we do not applaud the characteristic of resiliency enough. I mean, most people will say, well, you're grateful or you're this or you're that, but let me tell you something. She stands there and she's resilient. It's, it's a pretty awesome thing to witness. And I think that there's the, the counter argument to that is not an argument against resilience, but the counter argument would be, why are so many women put in the position That's right. to call upon that character trait? Why is it that um, there isn't more given and more assumed um, on the positive totally side? Fair. But luckily, <laughs> you know, we yeah. are we are resilient. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll end on that note because that's a it's a good way to end to remember our resilience. Thank you so much for your time, Dana. Thank you. Great you to spend have some time such, with you. Such a busy, busy weekend, and it's been so wonderful getting to know you better. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. you, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to HRN's live coverage of the 2023 Food and Wine Classic in Aspen. I'm Christine sykes Low. Special thanks to New Vibe Wines for making our coverage possible. You can listen to all of our coverage on our podcast, Heritage Radio Network on tour. Find it on heritageradionetwork.org or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. 
Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. HRN On Tour is powered by Simplecast. This episode of HRN On Tour was produced in part by generous funding from the Julia Child Foundation.